right, everybody, thank you for listening. Today, I'm talking to Kevin Chung. He is the founder of Public Lab, the creator and head teacher of Build in Public Mastery, and he's the author of Find Joy in Chaos, a Twitter slash X book, as I understand it, because I have read it more than once, about bringing your authentic self to Twitter and attracting and connecting with people on the platform for both professional and, and other outcomes. So, Kevin, thank you for, for joining me. No, thank you, Benjamin, for inviting me onto your show. I'm excited to be here. Cool. One side note, did I accidentally slip and say Kevin Chung instead of Kevin Chung? Or That's you get okay. That I mean, this is not a big deal. Yeah. As long as yeah. people can listen to our conversation, it's all good. That's good. We'll make sure that it, it gets into the show notes. It's spelled K-E-V-O-N, not K-E-V-I-N. In any case, <laughs> so Build in Public is, is one of your big topics that you talk about on Twitter. What got you interested in Build in Public and how would you define it to people who, who don't really know that much about it? Yeah, so it has to go back to three years ago. So it was end of 2020. As we all know, that is like the first year of COVID. And I was actually leaving my previous role as a founder and CEO of a SaaS company. It didn't get the growth we wanted. So I was like, okay, it's time to stop working on that. Otherwise... I don't know. It's just not good to drag on. And my first daughter was arriving. So I was just writing online and finding new inspiration. But when I bumped into this term building in public, I don't know, when, when you see something that resonates with you so much, for me, that is my life principle. Like all the things in building in public, like honesty, being helpful, being transparent. That's how I live my life. So I thought, oh, this is really interesting. But then what really got me into it was I was seeing a lot of people building in public. Like on Twitter, you'll see the hashtag build in public everywhere and more and more. And then I was Googling it because I was interested in it. I find a connection with it. I only found like four articles explaining what it is, but in a very shallow level. You know, you just read it and then like, okay, okay, so what now? And I thought, what if I can become that person to guide people through this? journey. So that was my kind of observation of an opportunity. And so, of course, it's a bit of both. Like I find what I like and I find the opportunity. So then I just started, okay, maybe I can create a project called a building public guide, free guide. I'm going to give it out to everyone. And if that project is successful, then maybe I can keep going. But I was also ready. Like if it doesn't take off, then I'll do something else. We wouldn't be chatting today <laughs> because I wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. So that was the start of why I focus on this term building in public. I'm glad that the guide worked out, obviously. Otherwise, we wouldn't be uh, chatting today, like you said. So how do you, how do you often explain what build in public is to people who are sort of not, probably not indie hackers or people that you might know in everyday life? Yeah, so I guess... If we look at the three words, building in public, I think a lot of people would instantly think, oh, that means like an open garage style. Like you are showing the behind the scenes, you're being open, sharing the ups and downs. Maybe you're being a bit vulnerable in the process. That is what I think 95%. Of the, the number is obviously made up, but majority of people would think that's building in public. But I have been teaching this for a little more than two years now. And I realized that's not it. Like that's just, the, again, the shallow first layer that most people know. 
the second layer is really when you're sharing in public, your goal is to get traction, get eyeballs to whatever you're working on, right? But by just showing like what you're doing, your daily updates or, oh, I edit this new feature. Oh, I wrote this chapter for my guide. That's not interesting to most people. So I figure the second layer, which I care more about, is how you can build with your fans. Like you show your work to attract the fans in, and now you're involving them in the process. So in a way, you build better products because you listen to them, and then they also get better products because, again, you have been listening to them. So in a way, it's no longer an open garage. It's more you maybe like a open day, you actually invite people in to the garage and then you're like discussing, you're working together on something small and then they are free to go, but then they can always come back. That kind of style. Yeah, so the conventional understanding, I would suppose, of, of building public is what you described where you know, it's usually somebody working on a software product and they're sharing like, hey, I just released this feature or I got this many new people signed up but what you're saying is a better definition would be one that is that but combines the interaction that you can get on social media where you invite people to be part of the process would that be right yeah i have an example to share like for us if you're somewhat active on social media you would see a lot of people sharing like oh i reached this revenue milestone oh i'm, I'm at five thousand per month now or oh my newsletter is like three thousand or thirty thousand people now sharing this kind of like milestone kind of update is nice it's part of building in public but it only works if you already have the momentum going like if it, if the momentum is kind of slow then it doesn't work because people are like oh what does this mean to us watching nothing it's not exciting so i think for most people you cannot be growing that fast and that exciting all the time so we have to be realistic. So the way to like just be open and ask questions in the public forum, public forum, I mean, with your community in a public space like social media and implement the changes based on the feedback and then sharing, wow, I implement these changes and this next thing happened. When you keep that communication open, it is a strategy that can really work for you when your business is not like, skyrocketing like most we see on social media. So this strategy works for almost everyone. It's interesting that you say that because I, I can see a lot of that on, on Twitter. People post milestones like, you know, like you said, this revenue figure or this many signups. I'm not a huge fan of people posting follower count wins. To me, it feels a tiny <laughs> bit transactional, but keen to hear what you think. But but I, I see what you're saying. If if you're Peter Levels, for example, I don't know how many followers he has, I guess hundreds of thousands. 300,000 or something. 300,000. Yeah. Uh, I guess everybody does really care when he posts a milestone update, like, hey, my AI app got this many people signed up. But uh, if you're just starting out, like you say, perhaps you put it very politely. People don't know who you are yet, uh, so they may not be bought into your success. So what you're saying here is you should really lead with that, trying to get that community involvement first at the beginning of your you know, build in public style or strategy. Would that be right? Yeah. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. It's not like sharing this kind of milestone achievement is wrong. It's not wrong. It's just that you cannot only share that. 
it, it can be part of your sharing, but you need to look at the bigger picture, like why people care about that. And frankly, I did a lot of testing around sharing exciting updates, exciting milestone versus being vulnerable and you know show your mistakes or weaknesses. Of course, the positive stories always work the best. Like you will get maybe 200 likes for the positive stories and maybe you'll get like 30, 40 likes for the vulnerable stories. Most people would judge that and be like, oh, I need to share more positive stories. But the thing I asked them to rethink is like, yeah, these people are only clicking the like button. But those vulnerable stories, they get you 40 connections, which evolve into conversations, which evolve into your closer friends or fans. Which one is more important? You have to think about it. It's interesting that you mentioned that because, I mean, if I, if I reflect on your book, something that surprised me was you talked a lot about not just dropping wisdom bombs <laughs> you know and you know for those listening the way you you, you defined it as those the short typical thought leader style influence a very short you know like yeah just ask. you should do this you should do that right yeah and <laughs> for lack of a better term this is not how people intend it but it can come across kind of preachy and then you you suggest that people should um you know, have a bit more of a varied diet in what they put out. Is that what you're getting at here in that it's not necessarily just about getting the, the engagement, but you need to post a different a range of things uh, of your story and journey for, for different purposes. Is that right? I think so. Like, I get why we're writing those wisdom bombs, because we see people with bigger accounts, they are doing so. But oftentimes, again, most people don't see that there are different steps in the journey. Like you're at step zero, you cannot just imitate someone at step 100. You should have different strategies um, at different steps. So involving a community is great for step zero. And then when you get to step 100, yeah, sure, you can post wisdom bombs and you still get a lot of engagement. That's fine. But because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs in their step zero to 10, I keep asking them to rethink. And yeah, so that's the essence of the book. How do you approach, or how would you approach growing a, a smaller account versus uh, an older account? So you mentioned that you can get into the wisdom bombs when you're a bit more developed. What is the key difference apart from that community engagement that you mentioned? I think it is based on your credibility. So West Cow, West Cow is a very famous person in the online educator space. Two weeks ago, she posted uh, about her perspective of sharing failures. She said that, yeah, big, big accounts, you know, popular people share their failures, but they always have a turnaround or they always have a lot of credentials to back it up. So when people look at this failure story, they don't feel like it is like, oh, this guy or this girl doesn't know what they're doing. It's like, oh, wow, this is nice. Like they're so successful, but they open up. So same thing applies here. I think it's all about your credibility. In their early days when no one knows you and you share this kind of preachy, expertise style post, often people look at you and they're like, oh, it's just another person sharing some advice. That's not really helpful. But it's more importantly that you're sharing what's exactly happening in your life, the stories, and people feel relatable. It's always about being relatable. And 
they're like, oh, wow, this person is just one step ahead of me. I can so connect with that and I want to listen to this person. So the reason why I say when you grow much bigger, you can start posting more wisdom bombs and that would be fine is because you have gained a lot of credibility. And sadly, now I'm referring to just a follower count as your credibility. It is not true. But unfortunately, it's how we see it these days. We always judge people based on that number to see whether we want to dig deeper into their story to find out whether they're legit. But that number is really the first impression. Yeah. What are the typical ways that you build that credibility? So you mentioned, you know, different types of posts, but what else should you be doing? To me, that number is, well, it's, it's an indicator, but... What it doesn't indicate is how popular you are, how people perceive you. Like clicking the follow button doesn't mean anything. We all know that there are tons of bots, trolls accounts, fake accounts everywhere. To me, if you are on the same track as me, which is I create content, but I care more about teaching. So I, care, I, so I refer myself as creator educator. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to teach you. If you're more on my path, then I would say create something that is actionable so that when your audience read that newsletter or watch that YouTube video, they're like, oh, I can do this. And they take one small action. The funny thing about teaching is that once people take one small action and it works, they give the credit to you because you're the one showing them how to do it. And that is how trust is built. And after that one time, they will be listening to you all the time. <laughs> and they would not unfollow you because it's helping them become more successful. So to me, it's not about going viral. It's about just making useful content and make it so actionable. So you have a lot of this like moments with everyone. When you do that long enough, like me, three years in, I can say that I, I would say safely, let's just be safe, like more than a thousand people probably has that moment with, them, with me. So they are always on my email list, even though they're not active on uh, respective social media, but they're still on my email list. Some even told me, Kavon, I'm not trying to build a presence in this space anymore, but I, I'm still here. I, I just love to read your emails. So I think that's where we're getting to. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because I can think of the time that I started following your content. I think it was a similar experience where, you know, I saw that you you were talking about a more authentic style of, for lack of a better word, self-promotion <laughs> in a way, an authentic, natural way of self-promotion by building in public. It was different from the other people uh, or the other perspectives that are more, I guess, posty you know, trying to drop those wisdom bombs and so on. And then at that point, I was sort of hooked and I wanted to read the rest of your content. Seems to me like it's sort of plus one to the idea that you really shouldn't treat your posts so frivolously. Like you should really put the effort into each one to make sure that you are, you know, giving a takeaway to each of them. Would that be right? Yeah, I feel like we're all content creators these days, right? Everyone is creating content. The essence of creating content is actually to help people make that one small action. You, you're teaching people. But frankly, I just don't think enough people learn how to teach people. It's actually really hard. I would tell you when 
I started three years ago, I wasn't very good at it. Like I was okay in writing because I practiced it all the time, right? Writing tweets, writing my newsletter, writing articles. I was doing that like week in, week out. But for example, I wasn't really good at teaching live. So I actually had someone in my first cohort, I had someone staying behind and said, Kavon, you had a lot of authority in your writing, but you lost a lot today. <laughs> and that was wow. like, oh my God, I knew it. But it's, it's, it's not shocking to hear. I actually feel relieved to hear because now I know exactly what to work on. I think mm -hmm. I, I'm scared when I don't exactly know what to do. So this kind of feedback is amazing. And I keep asking people to give me that kind of feedback. Yeah. So back to the topic, I guess, more people need to learn how to teach, how to educate. Yeah. Got it. How would the practice of building in public be different between a product or a service? Product and a service, rather. Oh, that's a great question. I answer this question many times. If you think about it, Building a service business in public can be quite tricky because it doesn't sound exciting if you're just sharing it updates, milestone, or you're asking questions. People wouldn't be drawn because what, what's the story? So I always tell people that it's possible. It's hard, but it's possible to build a service business in public. What you need to do is you need to create a scope around how you tell that story in public. So for example, if you run a wedding photographer business, if you just talk about, uh, I help some new couples take some pictures, <laughs> boring. But if you say, oh, in November for 30 days, I'm going to create a new offering and I'm, I don't know what I'm going to create, but I'm going to loop you guys in like the potential couples or if you're already my customer, whoever you are, I'm going to loop you in. And then at the end of the 30 days, maybe I'll give out five a super discount to whoever signed up to this package. So this becomes very interesting because it's not just building a service business in public. You're just building a new offering or a new thing in your business and you have a start date and end date. Suddenly people would be like, hmm, I'm getting married soon. Let me pay attention to what this person is building. And it's only 30 days, so it's quite manageable. They would follow the journey. So all in all, I think it's possible. You just have to kind of redefine how you tell the story and then frame that scope appropriately. So it's about finding projects related to what you're doing. Not necessarily that they're sales promotion, but it could be in the wedding photographer example, it could be, hey, I'm, I'm creating a uh, photo shoot studio to take couple, uh, take couple photos. You know, now this is the plan. What do you think? You know, I just got the 3D mock-up done. What do you think? This type of thing? Close. Because what you just said can be a day-to-day -day kind of content to interact with people. If you define a scope, like the 30-day scope, and then this is part of it, then it would become so much better. Because people can visualize you're asking this question because you're building that thing. As opposed to you're just asking something <laughs> on a regular basis and people don't know where that's coming from. In terms of the, the scope of time, is 30 days the, the amount of time that you recommend generally or can it be much longer or 
What are your thoughts? So, oh, in two days, we're actually running a building public sprint. So that's going to be 30 days. But I would say it depends. Like the building public sprint is 30 days because I'm focusing on helping other creators and entrepreneurs build the habit of sharing what they're working on with a scope again and with a start date and end date. Of course, you can imagine that thing would not be too big because uh, we need to be realistic. But let's say if you're creating, I'm an educator, right? So I create courses. And Benjamin, I think you have some thoughts around creating a free email course. If you're creating something like that, giving yourself a 30-day time frame might be a bit too stressful. So in that case, I might extend it to 60 days, maybe even 90 days. But I wouldn't go beyond 90 days because, again, from an audience perspective, they don't want to follow something that is like spanning so long across a period of time. They want to see start to finish, right? So two months is a great length for them to see that. And also, if you like kind of spread it out that far, you lose momentum in your sharing because we, we are, we're all humans. You have a burst of energy and then you need a break. So 60 days, I would say, is a good thing. And do you recommend people try to stick to one project at a time? Or is it is it okay to say be working on three things so that you're not constantly posting about the same project all the time? Oh, great question. A lot of people come to me and they have multiple projects at the same time. What I see is that these people, they have so much difficulty sharing their work in public. It's because they're always context switching. And when you're running multiple things at the same time, the likelihood of you outsourcing it to someone else, you're just managing it, is very high. But if you're only the manager, you're the project uh, manager, you don't really get into the weeds of things, then it's really hard to come up with show your work, building public kind of content to share, right? Because you're not the one doing it. And that's why this doesn't work for those people. Oftentimes I see success with this strategy when people are like laser focused um, on one thing. For example, there's a, a girl, April Lynn Alter. She is a young creator and her niche is teaching people how to monetize on YouTube. And I think half a year ago, she was like, oh, I'm building a new YouTube channel. Didn't go well, like got a, a couple hundreds view for each video. And then I think two months ago, she announced that I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to get my, uh, my channel. I'm going to get my channel monetized in 90 days. And I'll be here sharing those ups and downs and potentially throwing out questions with you guys. So let's do this together. Once she does that, of course, the video is still around the same, but suddenly one month ago, one video went viral. I think the last time I checked, it has like more than 200,000 views. And that, of course, got her account monetized. But because she has been already building in public and putting out questions, engaging the community. When that happened, everything started to come together. Like 
you know, opportunities go to her, and then now she's talking openly about what opportunities, how many subscribers, how much money is coming into her, because she is already, you know, doing the building in public beforehand. So I want to tell this example because it shows that when you're laser focused on one project, it really can like get the community going and people are clear what you're working on and they're very deep in the process. So yeah, one project, one focus. I suppose there's an art to working out which project that should be as well, because you could talk about a whole number of things and perhaps if you pick the wrong one, you could go the 30, 90 days and not get much traction. But if you had picked the other, you, you could have this kind of result. Is that right? Oh, totally. I, I keep telling my students, like, not all audiences are like good for this approach. If you think about it, some people are building businesses for accountants or lawyers. If you build in public on social media, I just feel like it's so hard to get that community going, interacting with you. <laughs> it's just really hard. And these people might not be as vocal. Even they are, maybe they would not be behind their real names. They would be anonymous or something. But the reason why it's working so well for any type of internet topics, like if you teach a course, if you want to grow a YouTube channel, if you want to grow a Twitter slash X channel, it's because generally the audience, the students are also very vocal because they are building something on the internet. So you really have to think about the audience. Don't just do it because everyone says that building public works. No, it's not for everyone. So we talked about you know, varying the, the types of content that you do and focusing a lot on getting that community engagement, being vulnerable and, uh, and trying to make sure that all of your posts have a strong takeaway. What are some of the major, you know, issues or, or things that people get wrong about the build and public process? I think most people don't have a strategy. <laughs> like they, again, they think building in public means putting out updates. So, okay, that's, that's pretty easy. You don't need someone to teach you to do that. So they would just go, uh, some people in the very extreme, they would go like, oh, today I'm going to work on these three items. Oh, today I successfully do this. It's always about them, right? And frankly, why do people care about what you're doing today? No. And connecting this to what you just said, Benjamin, I always wrap it with a takeaway. So it's okay to position the story as I am doing this, I'm learning this. It's okay because that's unique story. You actually should do that. But you should always end that post with like, this is my learning today. And have you thought about this for your business? So you always like prompt people to think about themselves. Then it's not about you. Then you have that teacher mindset of like, I'm, I'm trying to inspire you to think about yourself. So it can be a question at the end. It can be a, a line to, you know, summarize that learning in a way that they can learn and take it in. So I think, yeah, th that's the biggest mistake, just like throwing updates out. I even see people like recording. I'm going to sit here for an hour and live stream how I built this thing. <laughs> Why? Like, who would actually sit there and watch you do that for an hour? I just think that's the wrong use of building in public. So this is the biggest one. The second one is often they make everything very one way. Like, oh, building in public, it means sharing. 
So they keep throwing things out, and they never want to actually interact with the people seeing it. That's really sad. Like for me, when I write a newsletter, I try my best to, you know, get people to reply so that we can kick off an email exchange. When I post a tweet, I wait for people to reply, and then I reply to their reply because I'm actually interested in that conversation, and I learn something from them as well. So. I I also made a mistake on YouTube when I started out. Like I was just posting YouTube videos, and I realized that's not gonna work. Like all my videos are just me talking, sharing about a concept. Later, I dig around and I learn a lot from different accounts, and I realized it is again you should be expressing yourself in a video, and you should be asking question in a video, so then people would leave a comment. So no matter what channel you are doing. It has to be a two-way interaction, so I think a lot of people make that mistake. Even even I make that mistake when I try a new platform. So that's why it's hard. <laughs> the the engagement definitely seems like a huge element to the to the process because I, I noticed that was another thing that stood about stood out about your profile is how much you engage with, you know, some of the comments that I made, but a lot of the comments that other people made. I think I just posted last Friday and somebody commented. On my mention of your book, and you replied to them, even though it wasn't directly speaking to you, which is very cool. And now that person's pro- probably hooked、uh, on reading your content, which is a good thing. <laughs> what What are your thoughts around the balance between engaging and posting? I actually think engagement is like broccoli. So you would know that my my brand is all about broccoli. I even have a broccoli neon light right here. The funny thing about broccoli is. It's never the main dish. Like you almost never have a dish that is like, oh, here's the broccoli. I'm gonna charge you like twenty、uh, US dollar for this. Never. Broccoli is always the side dish. So it is not in the spotlight, but it's so important to kind of make the dish more diverse and more interesting. So engagement is exactly like that. Engagement means like you are. Interacting with people with conversations, it doesn't seem like that can get you growth, right? It's not the main dish. But if you stop doing it, then you will lose all your growth. So for me, engagement has to be the foundation all the time. When you're starting out, it's super important because no one can see your content. So the only way to like get the algorithm to pay attention to you is you replying to other people's tweet or your own tweet. So you bring yourself back. But even today, like three years in, or even for someone like Pat Flynn, I think if you are in the online marketing space, online community space, you heard of this name, Pat Flynn. I am a big fan of him because I don't know how many years he's in the business, like maybe ten, fifteen years, but he's still like sometimes showing up in the conversations and be like, "Hey, I'm here. Thank you for leaving me this." I knew that because maybe half a year ago. Someone was asking me something, and I was like, "Oh,、uh, this is why I like Pat Flynn. I tag him," and suddenly he showed up the next day. I was like, "Oh my God, this is what I'm talking about! Like, you can get so big, but you can never lose your touch with your people." So that's why engagement is a side dish, but important side dish. But posting, I mean, posting is also important. It's how people perceive you as a thought leader. Or how people see your expression, or how people see what you're working on. So, 
that part will keep evolving based on what you're working on. But I would say if you take a break from posting, that's completely okay. Like everyone deserves a break, but you should almost never take a break from engagement. <laughs> so that's that's how I see it. It sounds almost as though it's engagement is not necessarily the growth driver. That's the content, and we talked about you know being authentic and posting different types of things. But the engagement is what keeps you there. So you could imagine a big account grows really quick, does no engagement, they're going to start getting diminishing returns. Is that what you mean? Oh, totally. So I think what, where we're going is that growth or success is never just one factor. I think when we get on like social media, people always talk about like, here's how you can get growth. Here's how can you can get growth. It makes us think that it's always that one thing that contributes to the growth. And I just feel like a lot of early stage entrepreneurs, early stage people who are showing their work, they're looking for that one thing that can compound their, their growth. But it's never like that. It's always like a, a bunch of different things working their magic together. So it's exactly what you point out is they go hand in hand. Yeah, there's no one-dimensional secret formula. It's amazing to see how this actually plays out because I've noticed, I think everyone's probably seen like a very large account on Twitter will have, you know, 30, 50, 100,000 followers and the tweet's getting six likes. Whereas a smaller account, you know, might have a very active, closely knit community of people that engage with them and they'll get, you know, 30, 40 likes on their content. So I can see that definitely happening out in the wild on, uh, on Twitter. Even on some of my own stuff, I'm, I'm constantly surprised sometimes at the amount of people that I've just made friends with on Twitter who are supporting the things that I put out, even though I only have like 280 followers. I'm always surprised in a good way. Um, yeah, <laughs> I used to be surprised. I'm not anymore. It's yeah. been three years. Because so. <laughs> it has been three years and I am sitting in a position where when you, are, when you grow to a certain stage, your business has more things going on and you are exploring different channels. So it's so easy to miss out on the engagement part that we talk about. You become a broadcast machine because now you have like three, five channels to take care of. So that's why I'm not surprised to see it. It is like a trap that maybe 70, 80% people will, will fall into. It's because we just only have 24 hours a day. Yeah, that makes sense. Looking back on your on your journey, when did you start noticing that it was really starting to pay off in terms of commercial outcomes? Specifically, people asking like, hey, can I book a time with you to do some consulting? Or hey, do you have any products or services about this? Can you help me with X, Y, and Z? During the first year, I intentionally spent six months making zero dollars. Why I said that is... I'm totally new to this industry, this space. I had no niche. Well, building in public was my kind of hypothesis, you know, to find a niche. I had no followers. I wasn't active on social media before other than, you know, posting my life on Instagram. I had no friends in this network. I know no one. So the six months is just giving me some time to build out that credibility because 
when you start selling something, it's so easy for people to just see you as, oh, you're just here to make some money off things. But when you're just giving away everything, people want to help you, especially you're in the early days. So I made six months, zero dollars. And then the next six months, I made 10K. So the first 12 months was 10, 10K US dollar. It was nothing impressive compared to all the stories you hear online. But your question is like, when did I sense that this can be a business? I mean, probably my second year. I also openly share the numbers. I think second year I was up to like 47K US dollar. So from 10K to 47K, that was a pretty good jump. Not yet to what people like to call the six figure, like 100,000. But all I care about is, am I on the right track? Am I seeing the growth? Am I enjoying the business? Do people really care about my work? I judge by these indicators and I just feel like, yes, people really appreciate what I do. They often write testimonials, even if I don't ask them to. And I genuinely really enjoy what I do. So probably somewhere in the second year, then I, I feel that this can be something. But I have to mention, <laughs> first year was super chill. Like I had no pressure. I gave myself some time to explore. I was just like, oh, just learning, you know, 10K, pretty good. Second year, it became serious. Like now I really have to figure out how to get beyond 10K because otherwise I couldn't sustain this. Like 47K is still not enough. You know, I have a family, I have two young daughters. So the pressure was up and... Yeah, I, I really need to figure out the, the, the business model, the monetization. But I really just focus on, I believe in focus. So the reason why Building Public Mastery has been the main program that I keep evolving, keeps changing the design, changing the model, but it's still the same Building Public Mastery program is because I believe that you need time to build that name into people's mind. Again, it's credibility, right? In the first year, people don't really know what this program is about and you don't have enough students to talk about it. But now that it's like almost two year, two plus year in, I often get people saying, oh, I, I heard this from someone else. I heard this from the other person. Even they're not ready to join, they keep saying, I'll keep that in mind in the future. I know some people just say that to be nice, but I can feel it that they're really considering because of all the goodwill or the reputation that I've built. So yeah, if anyone is listening, I really think you cannot just keep building new things and hope that something goes crazy. If you're someone like me, more calm, more uh, slow, more organized, then keep making that one thing better might be the way. So based on your experience, if somebody, say they took your Build and Public Mastery course and they wanted to put a dedicated effort into making this technique of building in public on social media one of their main you know, lead generation marketing channels, what should they expect in terms of the timeline? Should they be thinking the same as you, like first six months, don't sell anything, just build credibility or what should be in their mind? I think not making any money for six months is a personal choice. I don't think a lot of people would be comfortable or even have that runway to do this. So actually, I 
wouldn't suggest them to do that. It's kind of an extreme approach. But what I tell a lot of my students is, you can build products even if you have a small audience. So in a way, you can learn building in public, and you can already see some kind of results maybe in in sixty days, because you first learn all the foundations, the skills. And one of my students was like launching a new Notion guide. Of course, not just a Notion guide, but with a twist, right? With their own value prop. And she was telling me, like, this post got another sale. This post got another sale. And she doesn't have a huge audience. But the thing is, a lot of people think they need to get to 10k audience, no matter how much time that would take. Maybe eight months. Then they figure out the next step. It doesn't work like that. It would take more than eight months, and then you burn out and quit. So, if you just like again going back to the involving the community approach. You can do that on your second month. Of course, how much you master that skill, it has a lot of levels. You might start off just be a amateur level, but that's okay because you're still showing up, you're still looping in people, and then over time, as you practice, you might get to intermediate level or mastery level. But、uh, results really come in can be as soon as like second month. But of course, there's so many variables like. Uh, I do see a lot of people,、um, or even my students. They tend to be more afraid of sharing their things in public. So maybe it's how they grow up, it's their personality. Then you have to expect these people to take a bit longer to to get the same result. So yeah, the, my my first step to them is actually、uh, build some free projects, but use that framework. And then once you Have that, then maybe build the first pay product, but not like a seven hundred pay pod product. Maybe a twenty seven dollar pay product. Then you practice again. Yeah. In terms of trends in the space, what are you seeing become more prevalent over time? There are two ways to build in public. Essentially, I like to say is the past versus the present. So the past is like Benjamin. You try out something, and then maybe you write a recap, a retrospective. And to share that experiment, share the results, share the mistakes, that tends to be a bit long form. And I see a lot of people like getting too deep into the long form. They think like, oh, because I'm sharing, I need to like paint the whole picture. I need to give all the context. It doesn't work very well because how many people would actually give you the time for that? Only your super fans, not the new people. What I see going really well these days are bite size, showing your work content. So instead of thinking you need to give them so much context, it's always about like what you can give them in three to five seconds. So if you can take a screen cap and then write two lines explaining what that is, that's good.、Um, for example, I think a couple days ago, I was building my. Sprinter directory for the new build and public sprint, and I just recall like someone asking me how big is the cohort because they want to know if it's too big, too small. They don't want to join, and I was like, oh, maybe I can quickly shoot a video to talk about that. So the video ended up to be like two minutes, which, of course, it shouldn't be that long, but because I feel like I have enough existing audience, I think I feel like they have tor- higher tolerance. I feel like they have higher tolerance to that. So. And I just write one line, 
So the goal is, is bite-sized, that one line, draw people to watch the video, and they get to know what I'm working on. So for a lot of people, it's one screenshot to capture the eyes, not something messy, right? So one clear screenshot, and then write two or three lines to explain that. So bite-sized can go a long way. Fantastic. Very tactical. For people who want to connect with you and perhaps even get your help with learning to build in public, where should they go? Yeah, I mean, if you are early days of this journey, then if you want some free content, go to publiclab.co. I have tons of essays. It links to my YouTube. You get a lot of free stuff. But if you are like, oh, I, I need a community. I need some accountability. Then we talk about building public mastery. Then go check out what that is and see if it's your cup of tea. So you can go to buildingpublicmastery.com to find that. Fantastic. That's a very easy domain, buildingpublicmastery.com. Otherwise, Kevon, thank you so much. Yeah. Great chat, Benjamin. Thank you.